Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. Market View on Money FM 89.3. It's all about the money indeed. Welcome to Market View. Today we are joined by Mr. Abhilash Narayan, Senior Investment Strategist at Standard Chartered Private Bank. Now, Abhilash, before we start, let's uh, have a quick look at the markets. The STI down by one and a quarter percent at 3,234. Japan's Nikkei down by 0.6%. The Kospi also down 0.7%. The ASX down by 1.1%. The Hang Seng down by almost 3%. 2.9 to be exact. And the Shanghai Composite Index now trading rather flat, up by just 0.1%. So, Ablash, help us unpack it all. Um, see a red in early trade today, again this week, uh, hitting a two-year low on rate hike, inflation, eco- economy worries. Um, how? <laughs> what do you take make of the, these numbers we're looking at? Hi, Michelle. No, absolutely. I mean, uh, Asian markets did open uh, in, in, in deeply negative territory uh, at, at the start of the day. But as the day has gone through, we have seen them claw back roughly half of the declines if you look at the various markets there. And if we just take a step back, uh, obviously, the weakness in U.S. equity markets that we saw overnight was one of the key drivers for the, for the weak opening of the markets. Now, as the day has progressed, obviously, we've seen oil prices decline a bit more. Uh, and, and that's obviously been a comfort to the markets because markets obviously have been very concerned about inflation. So lower oil prices help reduce that worry to a certain degree. Uh, and secondly, I think uh, there has been a greater market focus on the Fed's financial stability report, which was released yesterday, where they did note rising risks to market liquidity. Uh, and, you know, reading between the lines, market participants or investors are hoping that, uh, you know, that the recognition of some of these risks may lead to the Fed uh, hiking rates by, you know, lesser than expected. But, you know, clearly, uh, if you look at uh, the the performance of the markets in the month of April and, and this month as well, clearly uh, higher inflation and slower growth rates, not only in U.S., where we saw a surprise contraction in, in GDP, uh, but also in China, where we've seen lockdowns being further enhanced and restrictions being enhanced uh, at a time where global central banks are hiking rates, is, is clearly weighing on equity markets. Mm. Now, if we were to consider perhaps a much more immediate term, right, do you expect this downtrend, this you know, crimson, <laughs> to be uh, showing up for over the next couple of weeks, at least, to go on on this trend? Well, it's, it's certainly possible, right? I mean, market sentiment right now is quite fragile. If you look at uh, the liquidity, that's, uh, you know, quite low as compared to what we've historically seen over the past couple of years. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, any small news can uh, drive exaggerated price moves. Now, uh, if you look at the, the key drivers for the market, obviously inflation, is, is, as I mentioned, is, is a mm-hmm. big driver. And later this week, we will be getting... Uh, uh, an updated or latest inflation data from from U.S. So I think that that's something which will be key to watch out for, uh, and that will be a key driver for U.S. equity markets. Now, closer home in Asia, uh, we've already seen uh, you know Chinese central bank and authorities highlight that they are ready to support the economy and and the markets. So if we do see some more concrete measures come through, uh, then that could obviously help uh, Chinese equities, which are trading quite cheap in our opinion.
Mm. Um, perhaps let's talk about one of those big reports, uh, going into further detail, the April CPI uh, is coming out this week, right? Um, and economists are expecting it to come in slightly below uh, last month's 8.5%. So do you think it's possible that um, inflation might have peaked? Well, uh, <laughs> that's that's the big question right now. Uh, obviously, if we look at last month's inflation report, we are starting to see tentative signs of inflation peaking. Uh, if when, I, when we look at last month's CPI report, and on 29th April, uh, we got US PCE uh, report where where again inflation declined month on month. So you know, if we do see inflation fall around uh, to around 8.1 percent, which is consensus expectation, then that would give markets a bit more confidence that you know inflation may be peaking. Now, if you look at 8.1% inflation, that's still fairly high on an absolute number. But, you know, for markets, the forward-looking trend is more important. So, so it will absolutely be a, a key number to watch out for. But I think what was also interesting in the last couple of days is a comment by Fed President Kashkari, where he was confident that inflation would return to normal. But he also noted that uh, it would take longer than expected for inflation to come down because there's only so much the Fed can do to influence supply-side-driven inflation, which is the inflation that we are seeing right now. I think why, infl- yeah, uh, why inflation is important is also it, because it impacts Fed policy. So, you know, it's, it's a print that we will be watching very closely. Mm. Now, much closer to, to, to this region, um, you know, when we talk about inflation, China, for example, has managed to hold up very well, right? It, it's not suffering as high inflation as perhaps the rest of the region or even the rest of the world, right? On the other hand, it's reported that export growth has slowed to single digits last month in April. The yuan extended losses to close to, I think, a 19-month low against the U.S. dollar. And, and then its central bank says it will step up support for the slowing economy. So investors are, from what, I, what I've read so far, are concerned about the Chinese economy as it, as it continues to dig its heels in uh, on its zero-COVID policy and what that might mean for the rest of the region and also for the rest of the world. You're absolutely right. I mean, if you look at uh, China's economy, I think one thing we we always have to keep front and center is that China is the second largest economy in the world. When you think about, uh, you know, nominal GDP and it's it's largest by purchasing power parity. And it is the the biggest manufacturing hub the the world has. So if we do see an extension or continued lockdowns uh, in in China, then we could see what we saw uh, in in 2020 and 2021, that it leads to supply uh, chain bottlenecks and it fuels further inflation uh, in, in rest of the world. Now, as far as the latest you know, export report is concerned, which you alluded to, you know, clearly uh, it, uh, exports have fallen from double digits to 3.9% year-on-year in the latest report. But that was to be expected given the lockdowns that, that have been in place since, since March in, in some shape or form. What was the positive or the silver lining there was that export number that we saw was slightly higher than market uh, consensus. So, so that's one silver lining, you know, to, to, to keep in mind. Now, looking ahead, uh, obviously, uh, just today, we saw Shanghai, you know, further tighten the, the restrictions. So, so that's a bit of negative from a, from a market perspective. But Chinese Communist, Communist Party Politburo has sent a clear message that it plans to roll out, you know, more growth supportive me- measures, including promoting infrastructure spending and reviewing regulations uh, for, for the internet sector. So, you know, we expect these policies which are aimed at boosting China's self-sufficiency in, in manufacturing te- and, and technology sector to benefit Chinese stocks. And if you look at Chinese stocks per se, you know, they are trading at 
roughly half the PE ratio of global equities. Mm. And it's the greatest discount that we've seen in the last 20 years. So, you know, given how cheap valuations are, mm. it may not take much for Chinese equities to bounce back from current depressed levels. Mm. Now, I, I think um, chi- the Chinese uh, economy or the Chinese uh, market could be uh, an exception uh, you know, in, in what I'm about to say, which is that with COVID, with the pandemic seeming to recede, uh, to a, a, a certain degree of, of perhaps, I wouldn't say comfort level. <laughs> Wait, hang on. Okay, seems to be improving. See, don't use flowery language. Seems to be improving, right? We are seeing governments um, kind of roll back a bit on stimulus, right? At, at the same time, we're looking at interest rates um, across the world uh, rising uh, again. Um, so investors, I understand, are growing more and more worried and, and that is causing S&P 500 to end below 4,000 for the first time since more than a year ago and the Nasdaq to drop more than 4% in a sell-off. So what's your view on this? Well, uh, obviously, uh, we've seen a, a quite a painful move in, in, in U.S. equities and global equities in the, in the past, uh, past few months. Uh, and, you know, yesterday's move just followed a very volatile week uh, where, again, we saw U.S. equities see wild swings, uh, you know, in and around Fed meeting. Now, uh, you know, if you, if you look at the, the sell-off that we've seen in S&P 500, uh, it's fallen around 17% from its most recent peak. Now, we did a study of, of market pullbacks, uh, I think a month or so back. Uh, and what we identified is that, you know, post-GFCs, the market pullbacks have been within 10 to 19% range. Uh, and we've seen six such pullbacks. So, you know, the, the sell-off we've seen in S&P 500 is still broadly in line with the pullbacks that we have seen, uh, you know, a few times in the past decade or so. Now, if if we look at the the positives that are coming through from a fundamental perspective, you know, obviously market action has been negative, but from a fundamental perspective, we've seen 80% of S&P 500 companies, uh, they've already reported earnings and the earnings surprise on an average has been plus 7.3%. Now, what that tells me is that companies have been able to pass on higher costs to consumers uh, and, you know, the economy remains and the demand remains fairly robust. Mm. Now, when I add a technical overlay and look at investor sentiment, that is at an extremely bearish level. And historically, whenever investor sentiment has been that low, you know, because the positioning is is quite low, investors are underweight, we've generally seen equity markets deliver positive returns in the subsequent months. Mm. So obviously, in the near term, we are looking at uh, 39.50 and 38.75 as the key technical levels, Mm -hmm. uh, as areas of potential support. But if those, you know, levels hold, then it could be an opportunity for investors who are underexposed to U.S. equities to use this, you know, dip as an opportunity to build or add exposure. Mm. And in the immediate term, as in the rest of 2022, what do you think investors need to take note of? And if you could also um, maybe touch a bit on cryptocurrencies, which I see uh, a lot of people getting more and more interested in. In fact, even more uh, corporations starting to use it, uh, you know, as a, a transactional uh, currency. Yeah, okay. So, uh, you know, heading into 2022, we had been highlighting that we expected to, uh, the year to be more volatile and we wanted investors to build hedges in their investment allocations or portfolios. Uh, you know, it's clearly been a lot more volatile than uh, any of us in our team uh, expected. Now, what's made the, the current environment a lot more painful is the fact that there have been a very few places for investors to hide. Both bonds and equities have sold off. 
But, you know, looking ahead, we think that there's a potential that, you know, monetary policy tightening uh, peak may have been seen by the markets, which means that the negative correlation between bond and equities could resume, which means that if equities go down, bonds could, uh, you know, uh, appreciate and vice versa. So, you know, we think that uh, while we still like equities at a headline level, it's important to have decent allocation to bonds as well, especially corporate uh, bonds mm. where, you know, we, we see attractive valuations. Mm. And at a headline level, we think that gold is, is something that we like uh, as, a, as a portfolio hedge. Now, within equities, I mean, uh, from a sectoral perspective, we like energy sector stocks, uh, you know, because we think that, you know, as uh, the Russia-Ukraine conflict uh, goes on, uh, that is likely to keep uh, energy prices elevated and that benefits energy companies. Uh, And, you know, uh, within within Asia, we think that Peter down Chinese equities as well as Asian dollar bonds uh, are something that, that looks interesting. Uh, as far as cryptocurrencies are concerned, I mean, it's, it's, an, mm. it's an area where we struggle to sort of uh, assign a fundamental value because, mm. you know, when you think about cryptocurrencies or any currency, there are three key characteristics that we look at. Mm. One is that it should be a store of value. And we've seen Bitcoin, you know, for instance, uh, decline by more than 50% multiple mm. times in the past three, four years. Yeah, but some, so would, argue, some would argue that yeah. it has also grown by, you know, I, I don't know how many percent, but lots and lots of percent, many, many times over. Absolutely. So I think that's that's the big question, right? Whether it's a currency or whether it's an investment asset class mm. of its own. Uh, and, you know, we think that uh, its use as a currency is, is a bit more difficult to justify because it's not that liquid. The transaction costs are high. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, if, invest, if people want to look at cryptocurrencies as, uh, you know, potential investment alternatives to traditional asset classes, that's something that we certainly understand. But, you know, given the fact that these asset classes are quite, uh, these cryptocurrencies are quite volatile, and are subject to regulatory risks. You know, we think that, you know, maintaining a, a capped exposure of around 2 to 3% uh, is, is something that we would be comfortable with. Uh, beyond that, I think it depends on individual uh, risk appetite. Mm, mm, mm. Well, thank you. Those are very, very sound tips that you've given us. Um, Mr. Abhilash Narayan, excellent speaking to you. Um, thank you. And I look forward to talking to you again on Money FM 89.3. Thanks. You've just been listening to uh, my conversation with uh, Abhilash Narayan, Senior Investment Strategist of Standard Chartered Private Bank. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.